Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sari. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. We, of course, are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Ross. All right. Today we have a pretty cool uh, episode for you. Uh we are talking about another one of uh, the the legendary Milwaukee beer barons. Um, I think this is like the final one we have left, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably a couple more, um, like old style and the Heilman, sure, probably. But yeah, we're getting close to the we've we've, we've covered up. most of the big ones, and this is that kind of final piece of the puzzle to to kind of complete the beer baron. Uh, uh, what is it? The like the, but it's not the trifecta. It's like the. The top dogs. These are the top dogs. The top dogs. We are talking about uh, Frederick Miller of uh, Miller Brewing. This uh, this is this is one that we've we've sort of been you know holding out for. But yeah, and I'll I'll explain some of the controversies and why. Yeah. So so we also have uh, great Wisconsin music from Man Random. We have a special guest interview with 1840 Brewing. We of course have a beer review. And another edition of the infamous How Many Locals You At. So, uh, as always, please like, subscribe, rate, review, share, comment, uh, tell a friend. Just reach over, touch the guy sitting next to you, you know, tap the gal sitting to your left. Eat her. Oh, check her out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just uh, see what they say. You know, honestly, any little bit helps. This is exposure not only for... Uh, myself and Russ in this show. It's also exposure for uh, all of the different guests that we have, breweries, bands, all that stuff. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, also, just a quick reminder to stop by the T Public store uh, and check out some of the different swag, T-shirts, all the different things that we have available. Uh, all of our logos and designs were uh, done by a friend of ours and an incredible independent artist slash designer. Uh, her name is Steph. Uh, we've posted her website on many uh, uh, of our Instagram and Facebook posts. Phenomenal artist. Go reach out if you need stuff done. She's absolutely amazing, uh, and we love the stuff that we have uh, received so far. Heck yeah. And we know that you have as well because the T-shirts and the designs are flying off the shelf. So uh, continue to uh, to reach out and, and, and uh, uh, buy all of that cool stuff and, and represent. Helps us out, too, with our server costs. So we really appreciate any sale we get. You know, we get a few bucks from a shirt. It yeah. helps us out just pay our bills, honestly. It's it's great. We Un- really appreciate it. The unfortunate side of podcasting is it's not necessarily the most cheap thing you can do. And you're not so. going to be a millionaire, but we just love doing what we do. So Yeah. We're just doing it for, uh, for you know, most of the, the, the shits and the giggles of the whole thing anyway. Exactly. So it helps us uh, pass some time and drink some beers. So without any further ado... Here is the story on Frederick Miller and Miller Brewing. 
So I think me and my co-host both have uh, some mixed feelings about Miller, and that's why we kind of hesitated on this episode with all like the latest acquisitions, but uh, we still wanted to talk about the history here, as I don't think Fred you know, Fred would have wanted his company ran the way it is today and sold out to a corporate conglomerate. As he is quoted as saying, he wanted the product quality, uncompromising, and unchanging. However, we won't get too deep into that and our own controversies and opinions on Miller, um, but this episode will be specific to the man himself, Frederick, and not focusing on the entire history of the brewery itself. Um, as we will likely do another episode at some point to cover that, um, because Fred lived a very interesting life. And, For sure. uh, I mean, me and you have mixed feelings, you know, I still drink Miller, but at the same time I have mixed feelings about Miller. I yeah. Mean, and, uh, and honestly, to just to, to give a little precursor, this is more a story of Fred Miller and less a story of Miller Brewing Company. Exactly. So Frederick Miller was born on November 24th of 1844, or 1824, I'm sorry. 1824. His, <laughs> 1824. His original 1998. name... 1998. <laughs> just, just making up dates here. <laughs> so, um, His original name was Frederick Edward Johannes Müller, out of Germanic uh, name of Redlingen, Württemberg territory in Germany, at the age of 14. He traveled to France to study languages, and for seven years he would learn Latin, French, and English. Due to being hailed from the Germanic ancestral aristocrats, including a lot of scholars and diplomats, are in the Miller name. He received roughly about $3,000 annually, a large sum at the time, due to his family owning a lot of real estate in the Redlingen area in Germany. And on his way home, he landed in Nancy, France, where he, his uncle was a brewer. So he decided he would stay and learn the trade, working his way through various departments to learn the trade as much as he could, while well, he could take it all in, because... He wasn't sure what he's going to do, but he knows all these languages, you know, it's just kind of that in-between stage. And while living in Germany, he married his his first wife, uh, Josephine Miller and Frederick Schaffen, in June 7th of 1853. And they had their first son, Joseph Edward Miller, one year later in 1854. The family decided to look for new opportunities due to the large political unrest and growing restrictions in Germany. Um, they decided to leave for the New World, where they arrived in 1854 in New York. And during this time, I mean, Germany's going through a lot of things. This is before World War One, but there's a lot of things happening in, in Germany where they're like, we need to go before all this stuff takes place. Political unrest and um, instability. So, yeah. Like, yeah, let's get out of here. I think a lot of really great uh, stories begin that same way. Yeah, I mean, my parents uh, left because of the Bolsheviks. You right. know, like, they're like, we got to get out of Finland because the Bolsheviks are happening. There's so. political issues. There's economic issues. There is uh, uh, a war, some sort of unrest that is so great that it it compromises your ability to just live a decent life. And therefore, you have to, you got to make that ultimate uh, crazy decision, something that's so impactful uh, to leave and, and just, you know, get to an area that is, uh, is the free world. And even this, to this day we have, like, I feel for Syrian refugees and I feel for Venezuelan refugees. I mean, they have nowhere to go. I mean, wh- wh- you're going to want to go somewhere with opportunity. And honestly, the more, the more individuals that we are able to get into uh, the United States, it, it will help, uh, increase our 
uh, different uh, areas of like science and math and, and things that we yeah. honestly fallen off of in the coming years. Exactly. And I mean, like a lot of these people are willing to do the work that we don't want to do. They're not taking our jobs. I mean, they're, they're doing things nobody wants to do. Like, yeah. you know, t- nobody wants to sit and pick potatoes for t- 12 hours a day. I'm going to be honest with you. But I also mean, I, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a bigger thing of, Hey, that could be the next Albert Einstein, right? That could be the next individual to, uh, create something or to invent something uh that so so impacts and changes our whole world exactly uh to have to have those individuals and geniuses uh here in the united states where it is a free world and where we have a lot of things at their disposal whereas maybe the country they're coming from is uh, limiting on that. Exactly. And that, that's exactly it. So Fred Miller, um, he continued to explore and ride uh, steamships around the world, uh, around the United States. And he eventually discovered Milwaukee where, you know, he decided due to the large Germanic population yeah. that was already established that he moved to Wisconsin in 1855. He's like, this is where I want to be. This, this is, is like, I mean, honestly, this is the melting pot. It is. I mean, we have a, 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 a great, uh, a great many, you know, German heritages, but Holy smokes, man! We've got a ton of uh, of of every bits and piece, which is great. Yeah. I love Wisconsin for that it, reason. It's it's so interesting to you to find out, you know, like you have you had the the Germans and Italians settle here, and it it's just an ongoing thing. So they had hatred towards the Irish because they were coming in taking jobs, but then the Irish didn't like the Scandinavians that were coming, and then you know it just it's an ongoing thing. It's like which is I, crazy. It is. You've seen the story of like the what is it the Four Corners or something? Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, the New York, uh, the the gangs or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. What they called the gangs. I don't think even then they referred to it as that, but now they do. But yeah, that would be crazy to to it's, arrive at the island and literally be uh, intaking, and you've got Germans, Italians, right. you know, all these people kind of mixed at that same border, and uh, and and to potentially have that kind of argument. But you know, hey, Fred made his way to Wisconsin, which. Good, uh, good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Find find the people of your of of kind of your same descent and thought. Awesome. Yeah. So it is said that Miller always dressed and acted like a Frenchman uh, because he was in France. But he, you know, he's still German, but he's kind of a Frenchman dressed at the time. Uh, so but due to, he's in the air on that one. Right? Yeah, but due to his love for beer and the Germanic history, he quickly became well liked through the Milwaukee area. They were one of the fortunate families to have a bit of gold to bring with them and a sum of roughly $9,000, which is a nice start wow. for a family back then. Huge. I mean, huge. Yeah. So shortly after arriving in Milwaukee, he purchased the Plank Road Brewery, now part of the Miller campus, which me and Eric just what just were at, actually. Yeah, just got kicked out of. Yeah, exactly. For a sum of $8,000, which was started by Frederick Charles Best, but was abandoned in 1854. At once he began brewing beer, and during this uh, time period of barrel beer, he would consume. It would cost you a mere five dollars for a barrel, and about three to five cents at a tavern for a pint of beer. Yeah, I mean, what's the return on investment for that? Then it's still huge. I mean, they had, yeah. and I'm going to talk about this a little bit so you can okay. understand why it was like such a great location. So, and according to one employee, on one of the first days of work, uh, Black Bear peeked out of a bush in front of the brewery. Hi. Yeah, Black Bear were this far south back then. And uh, hey, motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> he he actually took a break from work. Give me to, a brew. He actually took a break from work to go hunt this bear. Like oh, he, nice. he like he's a fun guy. He was just really great to his employees, and people loved him. <laughs> and he was kind to all of his employees. And due to the brewery being a bit away from Milwaukee, which 
it's not now that you look at it like when we drive there no. but like when you when you like were back then we had to go downtown milwaukee back out to the brewery it's look it's a decent trek well and i'd imagine if there's not like established roads and highways and things exactly it doesn't look the way it does now so it would probably be a trek so he opened a boarding house for unmarried employees next to the brewery so they could stay close to the brewery and be close to work, which is That's really, awesome. I know. That's super supportive of, of your employees. Yeah. He's, he's really investing in his company and yeah. his employees, which is really cool. He even paid them quite well for the time period, and their wages were roughly $480 to $1,300 annually, plus meals and lodging, which is awesome. I mean, Sounds that's great money. Now. It's great money back then. And, Here's 50 uh, bucks. That's your... <laughs> here, yeah, right here. It's it is crazy. Here's a bit of glimpse and like how things worked at the brewery back then. These are letters from Frederick himself. So in 1879, a letter to relatives in Germany, Miller described the meals of the employees, which began work at 4 a.m. Breakfast for single men, married men ate with their families at six o'clock in the morning, consisting of coffee and bread, beef steak, or some other roasted meat, potatoes, eggs, and butter. Lunch at nine o'clock consists of a meat portion, cheese, bread, and pickles. The 12 o'clock midday meal consists of soup, choice of two meats, vegetables, cakes, etc. And then the evening meal at 6 o'clock consisted of meat, salad, eggs, tea, and cakes, which that's phenomenal. I mean, it's just so cool for that time period that he was that kind of person. Also, just sort of uh, looking at the times that they ate. Look at that. Uh, 6 o'clock breakfast. I, I can I can see that. Mm-hmm. But then a 9 o'clock, it's only been three hours. Right. And now you're eating lunch. And then 12 o'clock, you're eating a meat, midday meal. I'd imagine that the portions are much smaller than what we think of like yeah, a three exactly. meal kind of thing. Yeah. And then yeah, it, it, that is that's honestly what job now would do any of, oh, of right. this at all. Very few, you know. So the day included a rest period from noon until 1 and work concluded at 6 p.m. Miller himself arose at 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. each day during the summer to energetically tour the brewery and write a few letters. And after 7 a.m., breakfast of Swiss cheese with rye bread and fresh butter and a large cup of coffee with cream, Miller devoted the rest of his morning to correspondence and, like, replying to people and writing letters. And, and taking a morning dump. We all got to do that. Swiss cheese, bread, and coffee. If you have a, if you have a coffee in you, it's coming out. Maybe a small dart, too. A nice <laughs> cigarette. He spent his afternoons attending the business outside of the office, including trips to post office, bank, railroad office to make purchases, and he went to bed about 8 p.m. in the winter and 9 p.m. in the summertime. So wow. the sun's out a little later. He stay up a little later. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, Miller was a very resourceful businessman, um, establishing a beautiful beer garden that attracted weekend crowds for bowling, dancing, fine lunches, and the old-fashioned gemutlichkeit, which is like the German word, you know, you perceive it in America as like... A way of life, uh, like happy feeling. It's it's hard to explain because there's no great translation to it. But it's a happy feeling. Yeah. Um, a great like a just an outgoing, having a couple beers with the buddies, hanging out. That's that's gamutlakite. Having a couple of beers and slapping yeah. hands. And so Miller wrote, "When all plods through the week and has dealt with all sorts of problems, one is entitled to enjoying his life on Sundays and holidays, and should not complain about spending a few more dollars or a few more or less." And that was just his way of saying that, like, come on out, spend a couple bucks, have fun. Don't you worry know? about it. Yeah, forget about it. Forget about it. He also owned land in various parts of the United States, and one of the more famous ones that he did own was in the UP of Michigan, um, that has since become Craig Lake State Park. 
Um, and Josephine, who was his first wife, died in April 1816 due to the influenza virus um, while traveling back and forth between Germany or during birth, childbirth. It, it's technically unknown and unrecorded, so nobody knows the true death of Josephine. But either way, it was April of 1860. Exactly. And he was forced to be a father as well as his wife left him with Louisa just then age of two at the time of her death. And uh, Milwaukee was issuing burial certificates at a rate of about 60 to 70 per, per week because Whoa. of the, all the cholera. Yeah. So like, it's kind of unknown why Josephine died. It could have been influenza, cholera or the, or the, or the childbirth. Yes. And uh, his children with Josephine um, also passed a lot of his children for various reasons, including the infancy and like deliveries weren't as well, you know, yeah. back then. And, um, Louisa died of tuberculosis too at the at, age of sixteen. Yeah, she, you know, that was the one he had at two years old, and uh, it wow. kind of haunted him through his entire life. And uh, it's, it's hard to lose a cat. Nobody wants to bury their child. You no. know, it's it's pretty tragic. And uh, later in 1860, he married Lizette Gross, in which they had several children who also died in infancy. But they did have five children who made it through, including Ernst, Emil, Fred, Clara, and Elise. But, I mean, what a tragic life for Frederick. He lost a lot of kids and a lot of his family. It's just hard. That would be super devastating to to lose a a child in infancy. I know. I, I... you know, I have a, I have a boy. You know, if if I were to lose him, I'd I don't know how well I'd hold up. I'll be honest yeah. with you here. I mean, you know, I'm a pretty strong person, strong will, but dude, I I never want I want my kid to throw me in the ground. You yeah. know what I mean? That's this is how it should be. So. Yeah. And in 1879, a letter uh, Miller offers a glimpse into his personal torments uh, because of all this. Um, Think of me and what I had to endure. I have lost several children and a wife in the flower of their youth. I myself was at death's door several times and still God did not forsake me. Instead, I was manifestly blessed in the autumn of my life. Which is a great way to look at it. You know, I mean, at least he was keeping his spirits up with all this tragedy around him. Yeah. When and he said, whenever I think of all of them, how they were taken away from me so quickly and unexpectedly, I became sad and melancholy. In spite of all the misfortune and faithful blows, I never lost my head. After every blow, just just as a bull, I just jumped back higher and higher. And I mean, that's kind of how you have to be, you know. Well, I think it, like, it speaks high, highly to a message of, uh, hey, you, you have your time to mourn, you have your time to be uh, grief stricken, but also uh, there's other people that that rely on you to be strong and to move forward and to grow, uh, obviously taking time to still, uh, remember, but you you still got to push past. Exactly. And, and lastly, he, he wrote, um, whenever I think about it, I realize we must submit ourselves without murmur or complaint to the unexplained wisdom of God. And that such wisdom transcends human understanding. Right. It's like, there's no answer for it. Things happen. It's, it's life, you know, it's, and I think, you know, that's, that's a, a, a great way of, of helping yourself kind of push, push through and, and overcoming, uh, these incredible, uh, things, you know, roadblocks and, and hurdles that could, I mean, it could, it could, you know, take the, the strongest of individual right down. And and it, it really does. It takes a, a, a really powerful individual to, to overcome. I mean, he crafted such a great product, but uh, it's, you know, it, it's like like we said, we didn't want to get too deep into the Miller Brewery. In some ways, because, hey, the beer helped him, you know, persevere. I mean, and, you know, I, I think he would be a little frustrated that they cheapened the beer that they sold off. And that's why we didn't get into that today. You know, the Miller yeah. Brewery itself. I think at some point we may uh, touch on that. It's especially a hot topic right now with uh, the naming rights to the Milwaukee Brewers 
uh, stadium being changed. Uh, and all of that is really a, a direct reflection of uh, the, the Miller name not being owned by, you know, uh, Miller Brewing at all. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's a completely co- conglomeration. Conglomerations. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's messed up. But. Yeah. So in 1888, Fred's life would come to an end close, you know, at the age of 63, and he is buried in Cavalry Cemetery in Milwaukee following the death. Um, the brewery was run by his three surviving sons and son-in-law, Carl Miller, who coincidentally was from German and same last name, though there was no relation at all. Miller was a common name. Like if you were an actual Miller, you got Miller as a name. Right. You know, it's like Richard's son. Like you, there's many Richard's sons because there's a Richard who had a son. So you're Richard's son. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of, or like you would take on. names are a crazy thought process. Yeah, like, like Smith, for example. Like you were probably a blacksmith. So they just called you Smithy or Smitty. Right. And so it became Smith. And then they just kind of traveled. On. So there's millions of blacksmiths out there, you know. So Not all Smith. of the same bloodline exactly. or descent. Yeah. But his family leaves like a you know, a long lasting legacy in Milwaukee and even to this day. And uh, he's just one of the legendary brew barons in the history of Wisconsin. And I had to feature him, even though, you know, we have our little indifferences with Miller at this point, you know, a yeah. lot of people do. Um, but you know, he's they just still a great employ person. A, uh, an amazing amount of people right here in the state of Wisconsin, uh, in the city of Milwaukee. And uh, I mean, honestly, you can't, you can't fault that. So, and, and they produce a lot of the great cheap beer I still drink to this day, like Pabst and MGD once in a while, High Life. I, I still sip on those. Like, I don't always have a budget for craft beer. My, you know, my dad's more a a, a High Life drinker. Uh, I've I've really gotten to that point where I'll enjoy a craft beer, and if I am thinking of you know just going out and having a you know a few too many maybe yeah, yeah uh i really honestly prefer bush light over any of them at this point yeah i you know once in a while i'll grab a case of uh pbr or a miller high life if i'm going to a buddy's house just because we're going to be drinking that all night you know yeah. and we don't want to get trashed and yeah. it, like you know you, you drink a you know you and your buddy have like four or five cans of beer right and you know you, you're hanging out for six hours so you just got like that you're just maintaining a buzz at that point and you're hydrating yourself honestly four it's, or five cans over what did you say six hours yeah they, yeah like, that's not too i'm never bad. that slow <laughs> i'm nursing what them all the right fuck i work in a hospital nursing them here so yeah absolutely do you want a nipple for that jesus <laughs> christ do you want a beer bottle you want a baby bottle to sip it's on fuck, those it sounds like they're getting warm that's probably why you're so turned off i mean Drink them while they're cold. Holy smokes. But that's going to conclude our main segment for today. And now on to the music segment. All right. So we are on to our music segment. And, of course, we have an amazing band from right here in Wisconsin. This is Milwaukee's own Man Random. I have seen uh, Man Random at a few different shows. I've seen them at a house show uh, in uh, Bayview. I've seen them at... uh, Oh man, Frank's Power Plant, I think, in Bayview as well. Uh, all I definitely kind played of, that location. Yeah, absolutely. So. I've had a show there. Uh, and and so the the thing that uh, that I love most about these guys is that they're uh, pop punk. They're just kind of straightforward with uh, with really cool power chord progressions, really good straightforward beats, um, and and the vocals are again one of those top notch you know things where. They've definitely spent some time understanding how uh, how singing really should be done instead of 
just barking into a, a, a microphone. Yeah. I, I really like the uh, high pitched guitar hooks too. Yeah, like exactly. those are really cool. Like the over overlay of like the guitar hook. It's yeah, just, the, it catchy. The, yeah, you know? the 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 leads too. Every once in a while, where it just comes into kind of like almost like a solo. Uh, absolutely phenomenal stuff. Uh, I absolutely uh, love everything in, in their discography. You can find them on Spotify, Bandcamp, and and all of those different areas. So I encourage everybody to kind of uh, explore and, and get out there and find you know all of the different stuff by Man Random. We have chosen uh, a song called Death Perception. Uh, it is definitely one of those newer ones from, I believe, 2020. So get out there, check it out. These guys are absolutely amazing. Again, this is Man Random Death Perception. Again, that was Man Random Death Perception. Check them out. They're definitely worth uh, diving in on their discography, seeing the rest of those uh, songs, and then also keep in touch with them on social media to find out when they're releasing new stuff. Or, hey, if 2021 produces any live uh, music events. Right on. They're yeah. definitely a great band to see live. Dude, they're awesome stuff, man. It I'm is. telling you. It's so. absolutely phenomenal. And they'll probably tour with some of the other great artists like Telethon and, and uh, different bands that we've already featured, too. So you'll get a chance to see a bunch of cool stuff if you go out and see them live. So 
On to our beverage review. This one comes to us from 1840 Brewing Company right in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, more uh, To be more specific, it's Bayview. And yeah. uh, another one of these fantastic newer kind of pop-ups. These, these guys are amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. And we actually have Kyle coming on later to uh, discuss a little bit more about 1840. But uh, yeah, as Eric said, 1840s from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we're actually lucky enough to try the Rab, which is an ESB or extra special bitter ale. Yeah. And uh, it's coming in at 6.4% alcohol by volume. Um, and so this beer specifically on the on the on the bottle, it's it's a limited release, so there's a batch number on there. So it's uh, English beers are known for their balance and drinkability. ESB or actual special <laughs> extra special extra special bitter is the style that lives up to the rule. This our, is perfect for you. Around ma- <laughs> hey, around malt character is balanced by uh, crisp noble hops, lighter in carbonation with a dry finish. It leaves you wanting another sip. And me and Eric are actually drinking batch number twenty one oh one oh two. Jesus Christ! I just smashed it against my microphone. Oh cripes! But yeah, like Eric said. They're from um, the historic uh, neighborhood of Bayview, um, specifically 342 East Ward Street. So you got to check these guys out. Super fresh, super crisp, delicious beer, bitter. Amazing. It's great. What do you think initially from your first sips here? Yeah, so I'm getting an incredibly good balance of like the malt and then a little bit of that hop. And it's not like, it's not overly on either side. It's not on the extremes. Yeah. So what's cool is it's well balanced. Yeah, it, it like it has a really dry after finish, but it's just like the initial taste of it is just like what I want from a beer. Like it's super tasty. It's like just refreshing. I, I it's I'm super refreshed. Right I like now. it. Yeah. So it's I, great. I, I honestly like can't wait to hear. If I was able to run a mile, I would do that, and then I would drink this. Oh hell yeah! Or do some yoga, which I'm terrible at. I would fucking sip this after yoga. Hell yeah. This could definitely do, yeah. And and again, this is a drink slow beer. Uh, it says right on the label, this is meant to be enjoyed over time. You don't slam. You know, you're not gonna puncture a hole through the side of this bottle if you could, and do like a you know a shotgun of this thing. This is a uh, this is a well crafted quality brew. Don't, oh yeah. Don't waste it on chugging or anything like that. This is an absolutely. Uh, just again, well crafted, just careful in every aspect. And uh, if you have a chance, go check out their facility. Definitely, I checked it out. Uh, had a chance to uh, pick up this beer personally, and uh, it, it's again one of those ones that I'm uh, I'm a fan of. I 1840 is uh, is one of those companies that I'm definitely going to find myself uh, hopefully sitting at, bellied up to uh, to the bar having one or two, you know, while I'm exploring Milwaukee. Exactly. And I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of like what the can looks like or the bottle we're drinking. So it's a pint bottle. It's really cool because it looks like an old medicine bottle from like it the does. 1800s. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, it has like a Victorian wallpaper look to it. Like there's just really cool like swirls and like floral design. And like they just really stuck to the 1840 image. You know what I mean? It's just very cool. And honestly, it's just such a great beer. I'm, it's it's. I've had some English beers, like some English dry beers, and this like is right up there with like top notch crafting. This it's, is yeah, this is uh, arguably one of my favorite beers that we have done uh, any sort of a review on. So. It's it's very good. Um, if you get a chance, like we said, please stop at eighteen forty and try this one out. It's called R Rab R A B. 
ESB or extra special bitter ale. And like I said, it's just great. Well-crafted, you know, another Milwaukee staple. You got to go and check out. And if you ever get a chance, make a day out of it. Go to multiple breweries and do a little sampler at each one because there's so many good ones in Milwaukee. Now, every week it seems like there's another one coming out. You know, it's so great that we're bringing that beer culture back to Milwaukee, which we originally are known for. Yeah, and you could easily make uh, a day out of it. Like Russ said, you could start on the outskirts of Milwaukee, start in like a neighborhood like Bayview. Yeah. Start working your way towards Walker's Point, up KK, first and second, and then also work your way then into the downtown region, uh, and start hitting some of those lake fronts, uh, oh, which is yeah. just on the outside of the downtown area, right off to, the river there, right off like yeah. over by River West. Yeah, right River West. It's just a uh, gr- and then oh, other man. great River West uh, Black Husky. Those are just some of those ones that you you could definitely make an entire day of uh, stopping and having you know one beer at each one of those places. Do that responsibly, of course. Otherwise, of course. we'll see you in our next segment. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, we have the, uh, the the Hophead Tour, which actually is downtown Milwaukee. You can take the Hophead yeah. Tour and go to multiple things. You know, and then you can you can specify like a hotel. Like you can register like all your friends. Yeah. They'll drop you off at a hotel, pass out in your hotel room. Don't don't drive after this if yeah. you're gonna explore all these breweries. You know, get a sampler at each. Try ahead out a whole of, bunch of beers and yeah. Ahead of time, uh, make sure that you have the uber or lyft app loaded on your phone make sure that your debit card or your credit card is associated with that app and then just be responsible uh you know those those drivers are uh absolutely there for that reason yeah and hell head up the tavern league it still applies to milwaukee that so too. you can yeah. you can do any of those options but yeah please drink responsibly you know grab a couple of these beers try samplers at all these breweries definitely stop at 1840 we're highly recommending this one the esb holy smokes it's good yeah also just a reminder we did uh uh pre-order the uh drink wisconsinbly uh brandyland it's oh a, it's no a way game. yeah so it's a game that i believe is coming out in june uh is when it ships but uh they were taking pre-orders uh, a few weeks ago i put one in right away so it is their version basically of like a Candyland type game. A liquor land. But with, oh, yeah, all, dude. with all sorts Holy of smokes. brandy, old fashioned brandy cocktail uh, uh, themed things on the board. So uh, we will 100% be making a video uh, of this thing once we receive it. And that'll be uh, in just a couple months uh, in June. Well, I can't wait. All right. Now on to our how many locals you at. <sighs> Getting a little wild there. Yeah, hell yeah. All right. So this one, uh, deserving of our little bit of wild uh, character antics there. Uh, Let's just read the the title here. It says, I'm drunk. Driver tells police following hit and run crash. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, right. Holy smokes. You really are, huh? So uh, an Arkdale man was up front with a Madison police officer Monday night after crashing his van into several parked vehicles on the city's north or near east side. I'm drunk. Can we just go to jail? Said the individual who's 52 <laughs> when approached by the officer at about 6.30 p.m. Holy shit, that's he's, early. Yeah, he's been going hard. Uh, and that was on the North Sherman Avenue at North Brearley street Breerly, is that right uh, i think so yeah right. close enough hey 
So the individual did go to jail, tentatively charged with his alleged sixth drunk driving offense, Oof. along with hit and run to an unattended vehicle and having open intoxicants <laughs> in the motor vehicle. Holy smokes. Uh, the police uh, were sent to the scene when the owner of one of the damaged parked cars called police as uh, the individual's van came to a stop. Uh, the front driver's side wheel was missing and an airbag had been deployed. Uh, there was many full and empty beer cans Oof. in the van. I mean, why even why even do a mobile bar type thing? Don't serve yourself. Hey, in if you got a minivan, what else are you going to do with it? Yeah. Have a bar in there. What the fuck? <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah. yeah. You should have a bar. Though. Yeah, right. It's a minivan. Yeah. Dude, you need a bar in there. Don't right? take our advice. Yeah, definitely not. Maybe talk to this 52-year-old idiot. He'll help you out. This guy will give He'll you the right... He'll construct a bar in there for He'll you. He'll give you the right direction here. Uh, the individual uh, apparently uh, had, had had said he was you know drinking beer at a bar as well. So Oh, nice. It's not like he was in his <laughs> own mobile minivan bar, the old Dodge Carabar. Uh <laughs> He didn't realize that he had been involved in a crash. Right. And he said, I'm drunk. Can we just go to jail? Telling you, that means your light's out. Yeah, you're done. You're grossly. He knows he's going. He's ready to go. (laughs) Just cuff me, bro. You are grossly overserved, partially due to your own negligence. But (laughs) you have definitely effed some vehicles, and you're definitely going to jail. And a sixth offense. Yeah, right. So he's a veteran of drinking too. We don't have a lot of information here, but we know it's a uh, you know, we have his age, we have yeah. a little bit of information here. So Yeah. He's, he's been a at car, a bar, he's, he's been drinking he's in been his been own drinking. car. This Six, is sixth uh, he's a veteran of the game of drink and drive. Yeah. Uh he definitely told police that he didn't even know that he was involved in a crash. He right. Hit many parked vehicles. Uh I feel pretty confident I'm where confident. I'm at here. I got this one you think in the ha- bag. Yeah, I know. Okay. Three, two, one. Should we do Should it? We, all right. So on on three or okay. after three, we're going to reveal our, our, okay. our, Sounds our number good. here. Okay. One, two, three, 16. 16. All right. Oh, man. Nice. Nox, dude. They yeah, are definitely a four can of local on this one. If, yeah. if he didn't know he's involved in an accident, he's past the 12 can because you're still functioning you might have some impaired penis judgment yeah on on 16 but like this is like he's not he can function in this one like and and he doesn't even know he's in an accident so 16 on my and we've had a couple recently in the in the past episodes where we've maybe been a little bit uh undecided as far as uh you know you and I have a split between us as far as you know what it is but honestly the end result here uh is similar to those where the individual was so drunk and so bizarrely, you know, out of body, you know, experience right. that, uh, you know, he, he claims he doesn't even know that he was involved in a crash. Well, who doesn't know they're involved in a crash? You know, come on. Right. Uh, yeah. So be- between you and I, I think we were both able to uh, educatedly say it takes at least three to four cans uh, <laughs> in order to kind of get to that point where you can exit your body, but also still be somehow in control. And that's that's that perfect local amount. Uh, anywhere between three and four cans 
it's you, but it's not you. I love, and you are going to be the one responsible for what you didn't do. The reason I love this segment so much is such an inside joke because when we like, so I had a house in Janesville and like, uh, I had a roommate at the time, Mike and Eric would come over and stay and uh, we just like be like all kind of passing out. We're like, how many locals you at from yeah. like the upstairs, you know? And that was just how this thing came about. It's and so I think cool. it's the like, re the real or, or origin story of this was, uh, on our way to Colorado. Oh yeah, we talked to Mike in the back seat. How many locos you at, bro? Right. We would we would definitely <laughs> keep track of where we were at. You know, obviously, you know, we were smart about it uh in terms of the driver isn't, you know, necessarily right, doing right. the drink, but you know, it it definitely is a funny story of of how we this came about uh you know judging yourself based on the amount of uh loco cans you you've drank but <laughs> yeah. uh absolutely fun stuff this one is a 16 i'm going to go ahead and sound the yeah, gavel you, on this yeah you you hammer off today we're here with uh Kyle from 1840 uh how you doing Kyle I'm doing great thanks for having me yeah so uh today can you uh, give us a little background about 1840 how you guys got the name and uh got your start in... totally so um, 1840 was the first year a commercial brewery started in the city of Milwaukee, and that was six years before Milwaukee was actually incorporated as a city. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, we, it's, it's kind of an important historical time in Milwaukee's brewing heritage, if you will. And so we picked that because not only is it cool um, to tie to that, that date that not a lot of people are aware of, um, but also, we make a lot of really classic styles. So I really like to make Saisons, Beer de Garde, Berliner Weiss, um, a lot of just like super historical styles. We do a lot of things in barrels, um, a lot of barrel fermentations, barrel aging. So a lot of, you know, the most automated thing um, up until we bought our uh, fancy bottling line was uh, our pump, you know, and pretty much everything else we do is real farmhouse style. We kind of call ourselves an urban farmhouse brewery and so um you know it, it does to the name does two things it ties together that point in history and also calls to mind the types of beers that we make right yeah you know i i love like so we got the uh the esb or uh, extra special bitter ale here and uh, i love the artwork it, like it ties back into that victorian period like the late 1800s early 1900s it's just so cool like your graphic artics props so yeah, it's an <laughs> yeah, we actually work with a local firm here in Bayview called Rev Pop, and they do a phenomenal job for us. Um, and just you know, it's all in the details. So we, as you can see, you guys are um, drinking the RAB ESB. So you have our our bottle in front of you. It's kind of like a apothecary bottle, like a medicine type bottle. Yes. And um, you know, when we were branding it, I'm like, I kind of want the vibe of those traveling medicine show salesmen that would go around in the 1800s oh yeah and you know yeah. sell, sell snake oil and whatnot so we kind of wanted that vibe so a lot of the colors we use on our labels are kind of you know a little bit more old school muted and um you know red pop does a really good job of embodying the vibe that we were going to go go with and it, like i said it's the details if you look at our logo a lot of people miss the turtle can you see it I can't. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. There's definitely a turtle, a little, uh, a barrel back turtle going literally, on. Literally the barrel is the back <laughs> of that turtle. His legs are out front. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of people miss that. They look at the 1840, they see the organic detail on the top and they don't even realize. So I love pointing that out. Um, and you know, our tagline is drink slow beer. And that's cause yes, we do make a lot of beer in barrels. Um, we age in barrels and ferment in barrels and that takes a long time. Oh, yeah. uh, for example, I just released a beer not long ago that took 18 months to make. Um, wow. So we, yeah, we do make slow beer from a time standpoint, 
but really we kind of embody that ethos in everything that we do so you guys are drinking an esb that's a beer that we made in a couple of weeks so it took about three or three or four weeks um so that's quick relatively speaking but we put a lot of thought and effort into researching the style tasting different ex- commercial examples of esbs making sure we source hops that are uh, from the regional world where that beer originated so so to us slow beer is really about you know we want to put a lot of thought and effort in crafting high quality beverages and then we hope that our customers spend that same thoughtfulness and time and share them with friends and kind of just slow down a little bit and enjoy them as well and so that's that's kind of you know what we try to embody with everything we do Awesome. And yeah, we, we were going to ask too with, uh, I know things are kind of weird with uh, COVID going on, but is there any way, you know, is, is 1840 ready for us to uh, get down there and get a little, a little boozy? You know, not just yet. We are still doing to go only. Um, okay. We, I don't know if you guys have ever been, but we have a very small tap room. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we thankfully have had an amazing reception to what we do. And so when we are open, it's usually packed. And so for us to, and, and people just have a really good experience there, a lot of positive energy in that room. And so the last thing I want to do is be open, but only be allowed to have like 12 people in there so we can space everybody out properly. And then we're turning more people away than we're accepting. And that's just going to kind of like add some negative energy to the space I don't want. So for now, we're thankful that our customers are coming and they're buying beer to go and they're still keeping um, the support flowing. Um, but for now, we're still kind of working on on our timeline as far as when we're going to be able to open the, the bar for on site. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, so I personally went and picked up this beer and, uh, I loved the way everything kind of was flow. I mean, the, the, the flow was nice. You come off the street in one entrance, you kind of come up, you get a chance to see what's available. And then once you get up to the bar, you, you have that kind of opportunity to, to chat with, uh, the, the beer tender to try to find out exactly what's right for you. And then as, as they get you your product, you kind of exit out the, the backside. So that way you kind of make room for that next, uh, the next person. So, and, and we dropped off some can koozies for you as well. I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah of course. Great. And what's cool actually about this scenario is it forces people to exit and, and you have to kind of walk past by the production area. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you kind of have an opportunity to kind of look at some of the barrels and kind of peek back at the stainless steel equipment that we have and things like that. And so it's just, a, it's a new experience I and mean, it's definitely not what I wish we were doing right now, but I'll, I'll be honest, I'm just thankful to be able to keep, keep making beer because, uh, you know, keep my staff employed and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Exactly. So I was going to ask you too, so the ESB is awesome. We reviewed that one. We love it. Yes. Is there another beer you recommend we have to try? Like it's, it's a must. You know, um, yeah, so coming up next week are two beers I'm really excited about. Um, we have a series called the Drinking Chocolate Series, and it started um, a couple of years ago with um, Mexican drinking chocolate, um, and then we made an Italian drinking chocolate and a vanilla drinking chocolate. And then last year, um, for the first time, we, we added to the portfolio of uh, African drinking chocolate. And so what we do is we actually try to research different chocolate beverages from around the world. Um, so the Mexican drinking chocolate is based off of like a Mayan and Aztec, um, you know, cacao ceremony beverage. It's a little spicy. It's got cacao, um, some caffeine. You know, sometimes they would have coca in it, so we put caffeine in there, coffee, um, vanilla beans, things like that. Um, so now the African is based off of a, a drink that I 
I'll actually, I'm going to share the recipe um, next week when we start to market the beer. Awesome. It's kind of cool, but it's based on a hot chocolate drink that's apparently um, found in West Africa. And um, it's got um, hot chocolate, um, milk, honey, cinnamon, and um, brown sugar, and rum. And so what we did is we used our normal drinking chocolate base we, but in the, on the hot side, we added honey and brown sugar to the boil, and um, then when we when the beer was finished, we recirculated over cocoa nibs and cinnamon, and um, oh, yeah, so it's really neat. And it really actually has this amazing that'll just take decadent on a good flavor baker's chocolate. Yeah, it really yeah. does. It's like you're eating a decadent baker's chocolate bar, drinking a, a you know just a really decadent chocolate drink. And what's cool is last year when we made this, we were able to get some rum barrels. And so we have last year's version has been aging for a year in rum barrels. And we're actually pulling the beer out next week um, to release both this year's fresh version and last year's aged version uh, side by side. Awesome. That's aw- and that's the thing is too, like the hot side, it'll take on a little bit of that. It'll, it, it'll be there, but then anything after that, it really holds on to that stuff. And so Anything in a in an aged, especially if you have a lot of time to age it, you really are going to pick up that rum, and then as well as that that kind of uh, yeah, that cacao and, and all that other stuff. So I am really excited to try that. Yeah, and like you said, on the hot side, any sugars that you add, they're going to ferment out, and they're not going to leave a ton of flavor behind. But you know, something that we found in making stouts and experimenting with these is the more different types of sugars that you can incorporate on the hot side. You know, not just grain derived. You know, when you when you when you mash grains, you're looking for maltose and dextrose and you know yes. all different types of sugars. But you know, we put the brown sugar and the honey in there, which just add more different you know more sugars. Of com- Chains of yeah. sugar, and um, so I feel like it just adds depth after fermentation. That necess- you can't necessarily say mm, that's honey, but it's just really interesting at the other end um, how it tastes. It just adds a lot of layers. I bet awesome, I can't Kyle. wait for that. I can't wait. All right, so before we let you go, Kyle, uh, we have to ask you how Wisconsin are you? And uh, we have about eight to ten questions to find out how you fare. You ready for this? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So, uh, where do you consider to be up north Wisconsin? Oh, man. Uh, anywhere north of Milwaukee County. Yeah. Right. See? That's, that's, that's no. it, too. It's like. No, not really for me. See, I, that's what my wife always jokes. She goes, hey, Right. She's from Colorado. She goes, Everything is up north. We live in Wisconsin. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Everything north is um, north. <laughs> yeah, but, but for me, the up north feel is really like, I, I think Eagle River. Um, yeah. Oh, family. yeah. You know, I've got family who uh, lived up there, so we'd always go up there in the summer. Um, and to me, like, until you actually get into the thick of the woods, you know, they yeah. don't call the north woods for nothing. Uh, and until you get into the thick of the woods, like, to me, you're not up north yet. I agree with that. So, yeah. All right, next one I got for you. Um, being a Milwaukee human being, have you ever closed wall skis? Oh, yeah, a bunch of times. Right I, on. Um, used to, I used to live on Marshall Street, which is about three blocks away. Sure. And so we would often find ourselves throwing darts and having popcorn until bar time at Wolski's. Awesome. Throwing darts, smoking darts, whatever you got to do. You know? <laughs> totally. Well, I actually have uh, um, you know, such an array of uh, closed Wolski stickers and um, just various you know, other swag that you yeah. know, occasionally they toss you a bottle opener or whatever. That's so. what I love. And then it, when you, yeah, exactly. The East side and, and Walski, everything is just so good. I love that stuff. 
Totally. Yeah. I mean, that neighborhood, I, you know, we'd be at Wolfie's or Roman coin. Yeah. You know, some of just like the classics, just having cocktails on, you know, dirty floors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next one I got for you. Uh, have you been to Summerfest and do you have a memorable band that you saw there? Yeah. I've been to Summerfest so many times. Um, when we were in, I think the, the, the thing about Summerfest for me is when I was really hitting it hard was, you know, high school or we'd come back uh, from college and uh, most of them aren't super memorable because we were boozing pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, some of them I don't remember. I mean, uh, there was yeah. a few definitely where I was kind of like, I was probably in high school sipping beer, and then, uh, you know, we'd have a trunk or a backpack we'd bring in there and try to sneak it in, throw it over the fence, and then come pick it up later. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, or the yeah. plastic water bottle tucked in your pants. That's thing, what it was. Yeah, for us yeah. it was always the, the water bottle with uh, – like some sort of a vodka concoction. If they want. It looks like you're packing a sweet package, but really you just got a vodka yeah. slipped in your jeans. Right. It was always just really thirsty. It was always like it was always like OAR or Third Eye Blind or you know somebody like Those that. Those bands always at Miller Lite Oasis. Exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. And it was always the ten o'clock show. Uh, just absolutely amazing memories that you just you you can't you you can't necessarily remember them, but. You kind of remember right. them. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, like, uh, the Miller, Miller Oasis was, like, um, always, like, high school reunion for us. Yeah. Like, every yeah. time you'd, <laughs> yeah. you'd walk through there, you'd run, run into, like, 15 people you hadn't seen in a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next question. most memorable, though, recently, and this is kind of cool, we, my wife and I were just, like, you know, first time going in, 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 a, in a, a while because we got kids and yeah. we had the night off, and we uh, – popped in and just bouncing around and we're like let's just go check out this stage and we just walked up and it was the flaming lips and i don't know if you've ever no, seen no it, way he, oh heck he, yeah yes, absolutely he comes, he comes out on this big orb over the crowd yeah and like at one point and then he comes and rides this like weird like glowing unicorn thing um, and anyway we just walked up and got just right to front row uh just like cool. we just kept walking and right when he was coming down the thing so that was that was the most recent memorable uh, experience. Yeah, Wayne Coyne is absolutely like that iconic version of of like rock and roll now. Like it's so right. it's so experimental. It's so you know? cool. It's great meat stuff. So, all right. So next question I got for you: Have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game, or all three? All three. Oh, yeah. oh, the trifecta, baby! You hit it. Awesome, trifecta. heck yeah! Yeah, if you haven't done, if you haven't done it, how it sounds scenario. That's exactly it, Eric. Have you I'm tailgated the Badgers? I'm constantly reminded that I've never tailgated or been to a Badger game. <laughs> yeah, we rip on them here. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. You know, I've only been to one Badger game. Yeah. Um, so it's one not more like than I me. Have a, okay. <laughs> well, I'll take that as a win. Yeah. No, it's it, hey. The minute I hit the trifecta, I think, is the minute that I become a Wisconsin citizen. True. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a stamp for that somewhere. I'm yeah, it is. License, I'm pretty sure. Somebody will stamp my, uh, you know, it'll be awesome. I love it. Yeah, you're, you're going to get it on your um, next, your hunting card looks different. Yeah. Your hunting tags. <laughs> my fishing license, my passport yeah. <laughs> might even have something. I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> all right. So, so next question. Uh, supper clubs, do you have a favorite? Um, you know, I'm trying to think, like, for me, like, Supper Club means two things. Um, it's brandy old fashions and it's mm -hmm. fish fry. Yep. Um, and so much of the fish fry lately has just been, like, different places that I don't know would qualify as Supper Club. You know, like, um, Kegel's Inn, for example. Kegel's Inn, yeah. Yeah, yeah heck yep. yeah. 
phenomenal fish fry, but like, do you, do you call it a supper club? Cause like, to, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I know Sir Paul closed and that was kind of a supper club. Sir again, Paul was the supper, one. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my supper club vibes, uh, really kind of go to fish fry. Cause that's when my family would be going to those types of, you know, that establishments. Yeah. You know, what really upsets me about Sir Paul too, is that like the year before COVID the anywhere between 2018, 2019, they were doing so much construction to that road too that it was so yeah. difficult to even get there and then all of a sudden 2020 hit took a giant dump on <laughs> uh you know any of eating out or anything and so it really just i feel like that crazily uh ended serb hall and serb hall was one of those iconic fish fries so totally you got you have to do it yeah you know, thankfully now we still have lakefront brewery for mm-hmm. fish fry if you really want to yeah, you know, yeah. get the the umpapa vibe going yeah, and Lakefront is just as good uh, of of that vibe. So totally. All right. So next question, I think we have some in mind now. But uh, is there a beer you recommend to using beer brats? Eighteen forty beer. Uh, obviously, this ESB is going to be a good. This one. would be a good one. This yeah. is great. For sure, I, I like malty beers in when I'm making a brat pot. Um, well, it, it depends. I go eat one one or two ways. One. Am I just reaching into the fridge to grab whatever, yes. you know, easy drinking beer that I have? <laughs> the PBR or whatever's been in there for yeah, a while. exactly. Like, I, I, I'm a big high-life drinker. Um, yeah. And so I always have that on hand, you know, and, uh, um, you know, am I, am I doing that because I have it? Or if I have, you know, like an ESD, for example, like we're drinking, that for sure. Malt-driven beers are great with brats. I don't let the pot go as long when I use malty beers, though. Um, it gets a little too caramelized and it softens the brat up a little quicker. Um, so my light beers, I'll, I'll let go a little longer, uh, than the dark beers, but that's, I'm really down for whatever. I mean, as long as they had a nice bath and beer, you're doing great. That's what I mean. Yeah. And honestly, you know, the, the flavor that you get, I always say, try everything, do, do whatever you can to try to help, uh, broaden your, your palate for brats, you know? Totally. You know, and then I've got friends, and this is a day. I'll ask actually ask you guys a question if you don't mind. Uh, are yeah. you a are you a beer first, char second? Are you a beer char beer, or are you a char beer? I mean, I feel like there's three ways to slice it. That you know, yeah. I, I want to know what you think is the right way. So I started out uh, as sort of the the beer first, and then take it over to the the grill. But now I've actually begun to be more of a get it on the grill, put the char marks on there, all indirect heat, and then bring it over to the bath to sort of just finish and get the rest of that flavor, get the onion and get the butter. I always do like you got the butter stick of butter in there um, with some thinly sliced onions. And that's sort of where it hangs out for like a good portion of the day. Like, you know, it just, it really absorbs. I thought the flavor, but I mean, we've had so many differing opinions I on know. this show. Mm-hmm. I, That's I, what I love about it. I'm totally a grill, bring her on in, put her on a pan with uh, some beer and onions and butter. I've always been that way. Yeah. You get a nice char on the outside. Yeah. You get your, mm-hmm. you, you cut your onions up. You uh, throw, you know, I hate to waste a craft beer, but I like to get the different flavors. So you throw your little yeah. craft beer in there, butter, onions, you know, maybe some celery even to get a little more flavor in your yeah. butt. Oh my God. It's so good. So well, which one are you? It must have been, uh, I'm a, I'm a beer first hit it okay. hot and just crisp up the outside kind of guy. Sure. So I like, cause you, you got to do it hot and quick though. Cause if you do beer first, then they get, they get pretty soft. 
uh, the skin the skin can like crackle pretty easy. So exactly. that's what we usually what we usually do. But I, I think you know it's funny. I, it must have just been like my mind subliminally like preparing for this interview. Um, <laughs> but I was at the grocery store, the uh, Grappies. I live in Bayview, so I was at Grappies. Awesome. They had some really nice, nice looking sausages, and uh, so we brought some home. We're gonna brop hot today. Awesome. It's the perfect time of year. It's the grill Tom, season. Tom was doing it too from Lake Louis. Yeah, he Tom said Porter gonna... said he's he's taking his shirt off, hitting the grill hard yeah, after he, uh, he gets off the interview with too. us. So. Oh yeah. Um, oh, man, it's, uh, I mean, there is there is no off season for grilling in Wisconsin. No. Um, yeah, I mean, during the polar vortex, it's just like not pleasant to be out there, but it doesn't mean you couldn't. <laughs> right. The grill will provide enough heat to to sustain your life. Right. You know, what? <laughs> I also I also lived in Bayview for a short period of time. Uh, my I had uh, ten twenty two East Potter. I was over by Bernhardt's. Yep, nice. Yeah, love that. I love Bayview. I love Walker's it, Point. Those are my areas, man. It's it's so funny. You go from negative twenty to forty, and it feels like summer. Like you could take your shirt off yeah. and just get in shorts. You know, for it's sure. so crazy. But it's... Oh yeah, I mean, yesterday we saw this guy walking his kids, and you know, he's wearing like a sweatshirt, and like he's pushing two kids, right? So it's like, yeah. You're probably fine. The kids were shivering because they also were not dressed. And we're like, yeah. okay, I, like, I know you're feeling good right now, but yeah. it's only 25 degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The kids were wearing Giannis Antetokounmpo jerseys and just, yeah. Like, yeah. what the hell, man? Like, trying to tuck their hands in their armpits. You know what I mean? They're freezing. That's Going straight awesome. superstar. So, you know? yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. But, hey, you know what? You got uh, to build that thick skin early. Otherwise, they're not going to be grilling in negative 20 degrees like That's we are. the case. That's if you want to be a Midwest dad, you got to train your kids right. You know, standing yeah. out there with tornadoes coming. You know, there wouldn't be <laughs> there wouldn't be any of us if if it weren't for some parents that were just a little uh, loose with the amount of clothing or coats or something. You know, right, exactly. New, new, new Balance on a Packer jersey. That's yeah. the that's. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say New Balance on a pack of Newports or something. A pack of Newports. <laughs> Holy smokes! Oh. <laughs> All right, so Kyle. Oh, holy smokes, that's a perfect. Yeah. Uh, that was perfect. I yeah. heard. I heard you actually say earlier in this interview, you said, "Yeah, no, yeah." Yes, that's oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Is, that's is... the most Wisconsin thing you can do. Is like, <laughs> yeah, no. I don't, know if, uh, yeah. I don't know if they're saying you yes or no or yes. It's I'm kind of really an in between. Sure. It's the uh, yeah. direct. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. It's yeah, the... no, yeah, for sure. Oh, for excuse sure. me. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so well, someone you're definitely going to have to get on this podcast uh, uh, is a some friend of mine. His name's Kyle. He actually another Kyle, okay. who is the head head brewer at Explorium Brew Pub. Um, he's currently working on a brewery um, in West Dallas, and um, it's going to be called Ope Brewing Company. Oh, sweet that, name in Dallas. So uh, that's pretty Wisconsin, and I feel like you're definitely going to want to get him on. All right, so I got a couple more questions for you. I, I got to ask you, what what do you call West Dallas as a person from Milwaukee? I mean, we have our names like the Dirty Stale, West yeah. Dallica. What is your what is your way to call it out? I just go with Stallus. Stallus, yeah, yeah we call it Stallus yeah. West Dallica. There's so many cool names for yeah, it. West Stallion. <laughs> West Stallion, uh, hell yeah. See, yeah. West Stallion's a brewery. West Stallion's a brewery? Yes, no way. Absolutely. So my friends yeah. are there today. I'm missing a dog birthday party today because of this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh my West, gosh! Jessica Wesley is having a, uh, a birthday for both of her dogs at Westallion right now. Well, maybe you could call the bar and order a round of water for the dogs. Yeah. Oh heck yeah! yeah. 
two rounds for the pups. Yep. Sir Sergeant Poppins. All right. Yeah, I was always a Stalus person as well, though. I would say Stalus, you know. St- I mean, you knew that that also just kind of meant dirty Stal. Like, <laughs> Stal- Stalica. There's so many cool names yeah. for West Stalus. Yeah, man. you're just, just dropping it. the dirty off just to keep it easy to say. Exactly. Yeah, I'm right. Exactly. <laughs> dirty. It's just like Tosa, you know. Why would why yeah. would you go through all the wawa why it's Tosa? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Knock it exactly. off. <laughs> All right, all right, Kyle. Before we let you go, I got one more to ask for you. Um, other than 1840, is there a brewery, brewery tour, or a tap room we have to visit? And it doesn't have to be in Wisconsin either. Oh man! Um, so this is only because it's kind of up northy, and I just got some beers from them. Um, so we we traded some beers. There's a brewery in Minnesota called Portage. Portage, sure. And yeah, they just sent me some beers, and I sent them some back kind of thing. Like, they, they make very similar kind of things that we do. And I, so I started looking up their place, and their tap room looks gorgeous. Um, awesome. So not necessarily one that I can recommend from experience, but I can tell you there's one that's on my list yeah. of places I want to go to because um, it looked gorgeous. Or they've got a big canoe hanging from the ceiling. It's got a, you know, probably what I would imagine uh, Lining Kugels and Chippewa Falls vibe. Oh, you know? Cool. Right. The up north. Yeah. 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 For sure. Cool. Awesome, Kyle. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, we can't wait till uh, all this COVID madness is over with. And uh, let's share a beer and talk more brews. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to slam one with you guys soon. Absolutely. We will be there. All right, Kyle. You enjoy the rest of your Sunday. All right. Get to those brats. Oh, I'm going to. Yeah. We're going to get it going. All right. right. Sounds great. All right. Cheers. Bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.